Could you imagine if you picked up a hitchhiker? Oh my god! And then the next thing you know, there's like there's like twenty roasted human bodies on on your front lawn. <laughs> Welcome to Cover Your Eyes. Today we're talking about the movie Firestarter from 1984. Hi, Sarah. Hey, Holly. Ready to start some fires? Yes, always. It's funny because little Drew Barrymore always reminded me of little Holly. Do people always tell you that? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Actually, little Drew Barrymore reminded me of little Holly. Uh-huh. <laughs> and now I feel like our faces are have gone in a completely different. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Which is so weird to think about, like, how you can look like so similar to someone when you're a little kid. And then as you grow, you both grow up, you look completely different. Maybe not completely, but pretty different. Mm-hmm. So, but I was wondering, I was like, I wonder if Sarah thinks that this looks like me too. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I was just picturing little Holly setting everyone on fire. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I did when I watched this movie. (laughs) It makes it more fun that way. (laughs) I don't remember when I saw this movie. I mean, it came out when we were like six. So I don't think I saw it then. I know I didn't see it in the theater, so I saw it later at home, but <clears throat> I remember it being scary. The main scene I remember is um, in the airport when she sets the soldier on fire, and she does it for a cool reason. Yeah. She, <clears throat> the soldier's there, and there's the woman who's talking to him, and she's, like, visibly pregnant, and she's saying, like, I need you to help me take care of this baby, and he's like, oh, it's not even mine. I gotta go, because he's getting, like, deployed. Yeah. And then... <laughs> <laughs> little Drew is watching and she's just like this guy's being a jerk <laughs> and sets his boots on fire yeah that was like the only scene in the movie that was light hearted and it was still her setting someone on fire like that's <laughs> that kind of sums up how like awful this movie is <laughs> yeah. like Drew's gonna okay I guess we should let everyone know. Yeah. Let's talk about how she got these powers. So whenever her dad, Andrew, and her mom, Vicky, meet, it's in an experiment where they're getting injected potentially with a drug that is going to increase your psi abilities. Like the your ability to have psychic phenomena, and in the movie that is explained by way of stimulating the pituitary gland, which I do have questions about from you later. Um, questions about it too. So. I was like, I better look this up so I can sound more sciencey, like I'm supposed to, but I didn't get around to it. <laughs> I don't, I don't know about that link. Let's just say that. Okay. Um, and then. They develop psychic powers. He can control people's minds, but it makes his nose bleed. And she can read people's minds. They have a child named Charlie. And Charlie can set things on fire. She has the power of pyro 
kinesis. And she's also a teeny bit psychic. So there's the shop. Yeah. So it's called the shop, the place where they do the experiment. Yeah. And it's, but it's really called like DSI, the Developmental Science Institute or something. And so while they're there for the experiment. I'm um, sorry, could I interrupt you for a second? Because I just wanted to say that I think that the shop is probably in cahoots with the Natural History Museum. (laughs) I just just (laughs) want to throw that out there. That makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so they're there for this trial and they're only there to get money. Like that's why Andy and his wife, Heather Locklear, or his future wife, Heather Locklear are there. Because it looks like they're probably like poor college students and they Mm -hmm. just want a few extra bucks. Which I know people who did that. Do you know anyone who ever did that? Like drug trials for money? Yes. I knew Mm -hmm. a guy who did it as his sole way of supporting himself. Whoa. And I have to tell you that he was one of the strangest people I've ever met. And I was like, well, it seems like he would have to be different if you were going to be like, I think I'm going to forgo my college education and just live off of being in science experiments. I mean, he could tell people he was a scientist. But sometimes he would get, sometimes he would get like weird things happen to him because of the experiments. Yeah. I was going to say, like, was he weird before he started this or after or both? Probably both. It's always both. (laughs) Everything's always both. True. Like, what (laughs) happened to him? What's something weird that you Uh, know? Well, like, he would just be like, he'd come, he'd come hang out with us and he'd be like, I can't dance with you guys. I have a really bad foot rash. It's a side effect from one of the medications I'm trying out. Oh. It'd be like weird, just like weird physical stuff. It wasn't anything um, science fiction esque. Oh man, uh, he didn't have any psychic powers. But, <laughs> I was hoping for something better than yeah. a foot rash. Yeah, <laughs> no psychic oh, well. powers, just a foot rash. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. So that's the reason that uh, Drew Barrymore. Charlie or Charlene has these powers is because Mm -hmm. her parents were in this experiment. And like, while they're there, they're told, you know, you're half of you will get a placebo and half of you will get the real thing. Mm -hmm. And then it's obvious that they both get the real thing, lot six, whatever that is. And then other people in the room start freaking out. And one guy tears his eyes out. He's screaming and his face is all covered in blood. Yes. So I think he got the real thing or he's like, really just susceptible to placebo <laughs> i think he got the pl- i was like ah oh, that guy got the placebo he's just overacting <laughs> ripping his own eyes out he's, he's the guy at the party that doesn't <laughs> inhale the joint but he acts more stone than everybody yeah <laughs> he's that guy and now he's blind yeah it's really okay see i feel like when i i was watching it today and i was like Okay, at this point, it happens pretty early in the movie. Like, at this point, I feel like I would tell little Holly, who looks like the girl on the screen, to watch something else. I know. Yeah, that seems like a good cue when his face is dripping with blood. And Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it was a cover your eyes moment. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> he couldn't cover his eyes because no. they were like in his hands already. That's honestly, I feel like that may be one of the other scenes that impacted me to like never do psychedelic or psychotropic oh. drugs. Because I've always been afraid that I would be the one person that would end up like peeling my skin off or something crazy. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I've just never done it because I just, I feel like it'd go real wrong for me. And that may be a scene that influenced me. It was a lot. So it seems like the shop over time is kill has killed almost all of the participants in the experiment, except for the McGee's, Andrew and Vicky. And yeah, Charlie. later the doctor says that eight out of the ten participants died or committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Or did they, did they get killed? Like you right. said. And that's mm-hmm. what I assumed. I was like, oh, okay. They, some of, you know, they have to stage them. They can't all just be murderers. Like there would be <laughs> yeah. a link. Mm-hmm. Or <laughs> so would there? Like, Does anyone even know? Oh, well, that's true. They end up at the shop, secret government agency, secret experiments, like MK Ultra, mm-hmm. which I think that was like, in uh, some minor places, like some smaller places around that floating around that like that was a experiment, that that was a thing that the CIA was doing. And of course, uh, Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, was experimented upon by one of his professors <clears throat> for MKUltra. What? Are you kidding? Nope. I don't even know this. Yeah, the whole Unabomber thing, like that, like Ted Kaczynski probably would not have been a fucking murderer. Like they Hmm. did, like, I don't want to get into it. Yeah. (laughs) But, and also like I, I read it and I was like, oh God, I can't. Cause it was like, (laughs) they basically just mind fucked him until his professor mind fucked him until he lost his shit. Mm -hmm. And then he like retreated off into the woods. Hmm. A professor where? I think it's Harvard. Oh. Yeah. But like this stuff's real. It's not a, that stuff's not a conspiracy. There's like documents on it that some really fucked up stuff happened, including with, you know, psychedelic drugs. So if I imagine that this was in the awareness of people in 1980, which is when the book was written by Stephen Mm -hmm. King, another Stephen King book. Did you Um, read it? I didn't read this one. I did know someone who read this book and I watched this movie with them when I was a teenager. Mm. <laughs> and they pointed out every little thing. That was different. The, the was book was different. better. <laughs> I was totally one of those things. <laughs> the book's always better. <laughs> Where were we at with the what we were talking? So we were about? talking about MK Ultra. <laughs> okay, so- I mean, so LSD came from this type of thing, right? Well, LSD was a was an accident. Mm-hmm. It was discovered by I want to say his name is Albert Hoffman, and it was in Switzerland, I believe. And he did it on accident, and as he was riding his bicycle home from work. He was, he was messing around with like some fungus kind of stuff 
experiments, trying to create a, like isolate this particular thing in a fungus. So, um, but anyway, he ended up creating lysergic diathamide. Is that what it's called? Is that what LSD is? Um, Anyway, he ended up creating it. 26 was the 26th version of what experiment he was doing. So he got, he had it all over his hands and it'll soak into your skin. So he's like got pure LSD just like, and he has no idea. He has no idea. So he's Uh riding his bicycle home and all of a sudden everything gets very interesting. And then he discovered like, oh, hey, wait a second. You know, this is like interesting and like potentially useful and then in the 50s uh some psychologists got their hands on it and started because it wasn't illegal and they started doing actual research and they were getting they were starting to get good results with it but it was also being used by the government you know Mm -hmm. to experiment and see if it was like a truth serum or you know these different things and you can make people I more suggestible. Um, that's part of how a lot of the people in the Manson family they used heavy doses of LSD, and there's some good accounts that from people that were there that are like, "Well, it didn't seem like Charlie was tripping all that much. He's oh. just hanging out with everybody who's <laughs> tripping real fucking hard." And so then you can direct and suggest. Mm-hmm. whenever that whole thing's going on so um i feel like there's that all of that stuff uh, all of the government manipulation watergate had happened in what was that 72 i think so yeah so watergate happened vietnam happened and a lot of the guys like these guys you know, our Vietnam a like war soldier age ages, and the government is expo is being exposed as like we experiment on our citizens secretly. Right. I just I thought it was very interesting that this little girl who has all these powers, she's so terrifying to everybody. <laughs> which makes sense but i i wanted to ask like so when she gets pissed off she sets people on fire what would be the ideal situation for charlie because like to me she's clearly a threat to everyone around her because if you piss her off she can't control it (laughs) And she's a child. Mm-hmm. Like, she can't go to school. No. Like, Definitely not. You can't associate with other kids. You know how much kids, like, bicker? and Oh, my God. If someone, yeah. like, stole her toy on the playground, they would be a marshmallow. Push. I mean, one good thing about it is that she doesn't want to do it. Like, she doesn't want to set anyone on fire. She's really sweet and sensitive, little kid. Uh-huh. In this, like the shop scientists are correct in the sense that once she hits puberty, 
Oh man. Her abilities are going to increase because mm-hmm. it's related to the pituitary gland and they have a very loose science explanation for why these people have these powers. Like what the hell do you do with a kid like that? She's <laughs> like a time bomb. Definitely homeschool. <laughs> <laughs> and give her everything she wants. That's basically all you can do. What else could you do? I know I was wondering the same thing because it's like when her mom was still alive, and at first it makes it sound like she killed her mom, <clears throat> but then you find out she didn't. It like indirectly is because of her. But and the dad's flashing back, and then the mom's telling her like, because the dad is trying to train her to like control her powers, and you mm. see her toasting a piece of bread with her mind. <laughs> But then she can't hold it back and she burns the toast and it, it sets on fire. Mm-hmm. And then her mom's like, that's enough for tonight. It's time for bed. You can set more things on fire tomorrow. And she's like, no, I want to set more things on fire tonight. And her mom's like, mm-hmm. no, it's time for bed. And then suddenly her mom's oven mitts like burst into flames just because she wants her to go to bed. And yeah. She's not ready for bed, which happens every night in like most households. So what would you do? There's no way to manage her. I mean, you have to keep training her to try to control her powers. But in the meantime, like how many people are going to die while she's trying to learn to control her powers? Yeah. So, I mean, it does make sense to have her in a special place so that she can be safe. These guys, if they weren't, if they were only, if they were interested in more than using her, she would be able to like, you know, be able to learn to control it and do it in a safe environment. And they clearly have the resources to do that, you know, and that it made me think of another way in which the government has all of these resources. And then just through the sheer ego driven bullshit of people who are extremely emotionally immature and are like operating from a level of just like making sure they never think that they're wrong about anything. <laughs> you have like a misappropriation of funds. So they have they have all they have the scientists, they have the house where everyone would be sa- you know s- as safe. And instead of being like, "Hey, we fucked you guys up. We want to like <laughs> help you." And yeah, you guys like, please work for us or whatever. Like there's some kind of an arrangement that could have been set up. Yeah. And instead you get a guy who has, now that we're talking about the shop, because I feel like, I feel like most of what happens happens at the shop. Yeah. I mean, her, her and her dad are running for, a, you know, like half of the movie, her and her dad are running from the guys at the shop who, by the way. I was like, these guys look like extras, like mob extras from the Rockford Files. <laughs> Ooh, Rockford Files, yes. <laughs> Do you know in in your medical training? Oh shit. Can you think of any way in which to stretch the possibility to include the idea that a hyper pituitary gland could cause psychic abilities i'm just gonna say no i really don't think so but i believe in psychic abilities 
I just don't know how to explain them or relate them to the pituitary. I wasn't sure if there was some, because I know the, the pineal gland Mm -hmm. in the middle of your head. Yeah. That produces uh, DMT, which if you take concentrated DMT, you will trip like crazy (laughs) for like five minutes. Mm. Uh, It's called the businessman's LSD. Wow. (laughs) Because it only takes like five minutes. He's like, I've got a meeting, but I really need a trip. (laughs) Let's do this. DMT. (laughs) I didn't know about that. That's interesting. Um, Yeah, I feel like there's so much in this movie. So we've talked about government conspiracies and experiments on people, which everyone knows have happened. Mm -hmm. And some people think it's still happening with the COVID vaccine. Like, I definitely, I don't want to say I know them personally, but I know them by extension Mm -hmm. personally. And they think that the COVID vaccine is a way for the government to track you. And so they don't want to get it. I like how people say how I like how people talk about how now that there's a COVID vaccine, the government can track you. And I'm like, oh, I didn't realize that we were calling our cell phones exactly. COVID vaccine. Exactly. Like I, everyone is tracking you already. Come on, people. <laughs> That's just a I, dumb excuse not to get it. Your phone knows more about you than anyone or anything in the world. I feel like it can read my mind at this point. Oh yeah. And like, here's the other thing. The people that say all this stuff, they're putting it out on social media. (laughs) That's tracking everything they do. That's like the biggest tracker of you. I know. Facebook, the biggest tracker of you. Like if you don't set things right on your apps, they like basically just record everything that happens on your phone mm-hmm. and then package it up and sell it to people who then advertise to you on the very device that they sold the information that they got off of you from. Like, yeah, it's I mean, everyone's had the experience where you're like talking about something and then later you get an ad for it and it's like, mm-hmm. OK, obviously they're listening. But I swear to God, like there have been a few times where I was thinking about something random and then it showed up on my phone. Like I never voiced it to anyone. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, it knows me so well now that it cannot that, project my thoughts. Now, in that case, what I actually think is that you were influencing that your magnetic field was influencing oh, okay. the information that was drawn to you. Like you drew that information to you. I don't think that was actually the phone. Okay. I really do not believe that phones will ever be able to read our minds. Like I don't, <laughs> I do not ever believe that. Like that I just don't. And I never will because yeah, I, I don't actually believe it was reading know. my mind, but it's <laughs> creepy that like, yeah, I understand. did that happen? It's, so but, I'm finally an influencer. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a social media influencer on my own phone. <laughs> Um, yeah, so government experiment, Tuskegee, we know all of this history. Mm. Um, it's happening, but I don't think it's happening in the COVID vaccine. I don't either. And I mean, even if it is, I did it, it's worth it. (laughs) Yeah, I did it too. It's totally worth it. (laughs) So, um, I don't know, there's so much going on in this movie. 
So I feel like as a child, I found it scary because it's pretty graphic. Like the scenes mm-hmm. of the people burning, you see like their face melting and um, so many people get blown up. It's kind of like napalm death. Yeah. Then I was thinking of Martin Sheen. Isn't he in like, what's that movie? Apocalypse Now. Yeah. I was thinking of that movie and he's in both. Um, and then I was thinking, you know, when I was a kid, I was like, it's cool that this little girl has so much power and she can like control the adults around her (laughs) through fear. But, and I still feel like, I don't know. So I was thinking of it this time and I'm like, what are the messages? And I feel like girls have power. Their power becomes more intense at puberty and can be out of control and men are drawn to her power and want to control it. And some of them want to extinguish it. So that they can suck it out of her the moment before she dies. Oh, no. To take it for themselves. When they die soon after, hopefully, they, he said. Yeah. So that's the character that's the creepiest of them all. Okay. So I love George C. Scott. Um so to see him in this role playing somebody who is clearly a pedophile, Ugh. I will also say it was difficult for me to watch because I looked like her. Right. And I was watching this movie at the age of her. Like, she's my age mm-hmm. in the movie that I'm watching. Like, and I look like her. And there's this old guy <clears throat> that's like, touching her thigh oh my god a lot also Ugh. they put her in a leotard i know okay so you noticed that too oh you, yeah did for the you, scene you thought that was weird right where they bond and for the scene where he picks her up she's in the leotard but the other time she's wearing like blue jean jacket and jeans and stuff yes i totally noticed that too and when it's he like, touched well, her knee she was wearing like tights So that was the time when he really, so his whole plan was to just like basically groom her um, to get her to trust him, just like pedophiles do. And then it was the night when he was going to make his move, basically, and there's a storm coming. And so he uses that as a way to like make himself feel seem vulnerable to her where he's like, oh, I'm afraid of the dark. And then he tells her this story about his trauma and why he's afraid of the dark so that she can comfort him and feel sorry for him and see him as non-threatening. So she'll feel more comfortable with him. And that's the night when she's wearing a leotard and tights and she like is hugging him and then he touches her leg. And um, yeah, all the other nights she'd been dressed normally. So it's like, that's as close as they can get to like sexualizing her, I guess, without being completely obvious about it is to put her in like this leotard and tights on like a five or six year old or whatever she is. I mean, they couldn't put her, <laughs> what else could you put a girl like that in to like sexualize her without being like completely obvious and creepy about it? Exactly. It was very uncomfortable for me again, as I'll probably continue to say. Because mm-hmm. I felt like I was looking at little Holly on the screen mm-hmm. and I was molested. <laughs> yeah, I definitely thought about that at As that moment. Child. When he touched her leg, I was like, oh God, how is Holly going to do this today? 
you know, I actually did when that after right after that scene, I did have to stop the movie and go outside. And I just hung out with my herbs for a little bit and <laughs> came back in and finished the movie because I was like, okay, I need a break from that because that that it did it did stir up. Yeah, I just it but this whole but this whole movie made me made me think about like this is such a perfect example of how someone is groomed to mm-hmm. be assaulted sexually or psychologically, you know, and psychologically. Yeah. Um Yeah. I guess huh. that maybe that's part of why I was off today. I was like I was not expecting the pedophile grooming Mm-mm. plots at all. It completely sideswiped me. Me too. I did not remember that and it was really disturbing. When he put his hand on her leg, I was just like, oh, yeah, that was bad. I feel like every girl, like, I don't have a specific memory of something like that, but I feel like every girl has, or at least knows someone who has, had an inappropriate experience with some just creepy older dude. Yes. Like a dad. A dad or a grandpa or some, I don't know, just family friend, friend of the family or someone, a janitor or someone, yeah, that you're just like in a, you're basically like alone with them for some reason. You have a special light inside of you and this beautiful, magical power. As a woman, how can I capture that for myself? Mm-hmm. And I think it really comes back to womb envy. John was trying to harness the the life force. Here's another whole angle that I had on the John Charlie situation and also just the shop generally. Okay, so John's a Vietnam War vet. And it looks like he got his, like, part of his face burned and he lost an eye. So it's interesting to me that Charlie is somebody who can harness the power of fire. She harnesses the power of fire, much like napalm was used in the Vietnam War as basically a liquid fire that you could just, like, blowtorch out all over the place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, burn the shit out of everybody. So I feel like in a way this movie is like a pro-Viet Cong, anti-United States invasion of Vietnam hmm. kind of a movie. Charlie yeah. wins. She defeats the government. Oh, my God. And Charlie's the term that they used for them, right? For the Viet Cong. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, hmm. Yeah, maybe Stephen King was very anti-Vietnam. He's in that age group, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. He's also Another he's also layer. super liberal, so he probably mm-hmm. was. <laughs> Definitely. Another layer. I think you're right. <laughs> then, I wonder if he's ever done an interview or like addressed uh, that. I don't know. I also was whenever Charlie sets everybody on fire. 
the Which like time? She, she kills right she kills probably like i tried to keep count in a way and i'm guesstimating that she probably killed 40 guys oh at least because like when she when they came to the farmhouse i was like okay how many dudes are there because all of a sudden like 20 dudes to send on the house and then later she goes on like another killing spree and there are many more yeah also i feel like these agents were never taught stop drop and roll they all just no. start running around <laughs> wildly like fanning their arms and it's like didn't they teach you guys that in grade school <laughs> i think a lot of lives could have been saved what i really loved what about their the shop's organizational methods so i think that the way that she sets things on fire is by raising the temperature right? Mm -hmm. But she's raising the temperature from the inside of the objects that she's setting on fire or whatever, right? So, so like, wearing a space suit, (laughs) a fireproof space suit isn't going to help you because she's lighting you on fire from the inside. Right. And I was like, you guys are scientists and you didn't realize this. So now we've got a bunch of guys running around in spacesuits on fire. <laughs> That's right. It is basically coming from the inside, I guess, like spontaneous combustion. Yeah. <laughs> Just another cool topic. Yes. <laughs> so maybe the stop, drop, and roll wouldn't have helped, but I don't know. It was but still I, worth a try. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's an excellent point. Just stop, drop, and roll if you're ever caught on fire. Yeah. Don't run around. the main thing I remember from grade school. (laughs) Don't run around waving your arms. No. And you know most of those guys were wearing polyester suits. Oh, hell yeah. It's all polyester. (laughs) Good point. There are so many men on fire. Here's the other thing. They didn't have computers. That was all like fire. Oh my God. Yeah. That's the thing I was thinking at that, like in the culmination scene when she's just like throwing fireballs at everyone with her mind is like, it must have been scary for Drew Barrymore to see this because there really were like stuntmen on fire all around her. Half of the time is spent showing her being sexually groomed. And the other half of the time is her setting men on fire. Like, yeah, (laughs) God, that's a lot to process for like a six year old. I mean, I, I feel very strange about child actors. Like I would rather watch a movie where the kid is older and is supposed to be playing a younger kid and it's like you know those you know those tv shows where there's like teenagers but they're like most of them look like they're 30 like they, on beverly hills 90210 andrea from the paper was like 45 yeah yes. like her yeah like i'd rather see that mm-hmm. than have like a really little kid in a role like this like i just don't see how that would be good for your psyche and yeah i'm sure george c scott is awesome in real life but like he is a great actor and part of being a great actor is throwing your energy around and showing that 
energy being expressed, like that emotional energy. And he was giving the emotional energy of being sexually into this little girl. Like that was there. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, that couldn't have been comfortable. No. And he also had that makeup on that made it look like half of his face was burned and his eye was like faded out and scarred Mm -hmm. over. And I mean, she had to hug him when he looked like that. And so that was probably scary for a little kid too. Mm -hmm. Even though she was pretty mature for her age, I think when when you're that little, you still don't have like that good line in your mind of like, what's real and what's not. That line is blurred. And for her to see all of that, that must have been rough. Like, I remember, you know, watching a movie like this or something and, like, getting scared. And then having Nana say, like, oh, well, none of that's real. Those are actors. And I knew that in my head. I knew that what she was saying was true. But physically, you don't feel that way. Yeah, you you still feel the realness of it. Yeah. And she also had to watch, like, E.T. die or almost die. I mean, imagine what that was like. She was even smaller then. Yeah. She was in intense roles for a tiny little girl. It's like, no wonder she does all this, like, you know, fluffy. Mm -hmm. It's like when she got older, it was all, you know. Peace and love. Very happy, you know. Yeah. It's like. See, I relate to that, too, because I feel like I started off very cynical and, like, as I grew, it was, like, I feel very rainbowy and Mm -hmm. floral. And that was, like, the exact opposite of how I felt, like, say, when I was a teenager. Yes. So here's another thing about John. Oh, God, what? One more thing. (laughs) Now, I have not read the book. Mm-hmm. But isn't his last name Dearborn or something? I saw at the end it's Rainbird. Okay. So his name's John Rainbird, right? Now I have not read the book. Like I said, though, I do know about the book because I watched this movie in high school with somebody who was really into Stephen King and they loved to pick apart the movie versions. Okay. <laughs> and He told me that John is supposed to be a Native American. Well, I know. That's what I thought when I saw the name at the end. I'm like, was he supposed to be Native? Because he had a ponytail and he was wearing like that one coat that had like, oh, like a tribal print almost. And I'm like, he was talking about like harnessing the power of the gods and things. And I'm like, okay, are they trying to make this dude Native? Um, why? And he doesn't look like it. And he's white. He's white. But Heather Locklear is super white, and she's native too, because Locklear is a native name. But just so you can't go totally by looks. Well, no, (laughs) you can't. Why would you choose him? But I, I said, I said he's white because I know George C. Scott is actually white. No, I know (laughs) exactly. It's like um, he's got blue eyes, and he's just a total old crotchety white dude. Yeah, I don't know. So maybe I'm glad they didn't actually choose a native and like emphasize that aspect in the movie because it would have been yeah. Well, that's what I was going to ask you about. What you thought Mm -hmm. about? Because it's like, on the one hand, 
why aren't you giving a role yeah to the person who actually is that on the other hand yeah on the other hand i'm glad they didn't actually choose a native or like emphasize that he was native american in the movie because he was a terrible person and like given how few native american roles there are now (laughs) there were even less back then so to have a pedophile who wants who takes great pleasure out of like killing a little girl and doing god knows what else i'm really glad i didn't have to see a native american actor because Mm -hmm. i feel like the whole time i would have been pissed off I would have been like, oh, this can't be a fucking white character. You want me to (laughs) whip out some fucking statistics about white guys hurting little girls, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, so I'm glad that that wasn't the case. But I feel like if the movie was made now and they were going to fill that role, you would, I mean, you'd have to actually hire a, but I am glad that they didn't actually hire a native american guy because i really would have just been pissed off through the whole movie (laughs) yeah that they made him like the worst person ever to live yeah me too i would have been upset on the other hand uh the head scientist at the shop was a black guy yeah that was good that's pretty unusual for 1984 Mm -hmm. and he was the only black person in the movie but he was the head scientist. Oh, there was a doctor. There was a taxi cab driver. Oh, right. Uh, that got tricked into taking a $1 bill. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. With um, the mind control. Yes. Andy's mind control. Um, and then there was also one of the shop agents whenever she burns everybody. Oh. At the, fir- at the country, at the Manthers farm um oh yeah the massacre on their front lawn it's art carney who used to be on the honeymooners and he's just like this adorable old farmer man in this adorable old pickup truck and he's like hop on in come have lunch with me and my wife Um, to the father and daughter walking on the side of the road and then so when they get to the house his farm wife comes out and meets them and she's super nice but then when they're walking in the house, you can see that she turns around and gives them a look like, why the hell did you bring these strangers to our house for lunch? Then it's going okay. And then suddenly, yeah, they he reveals the secret. The dad reveals yes. the secret. And then the next thing you know, little Charlie's like, daddy, they're coming. And then, like you said, all hell breaks loose. Yeah. And so these poor innocent people... I was like, what do they do now? They have like 20 dead bodies, like five exploded cars on their peaceful farm. (laughs) Who do you call? The shop is sloppy. This is the sloppiest group I've seen (laughs) for a covert government agency. These guys really take the cake for Mm -hmm. incompetency. I mean, they've got agents running around they don't even bother to get rid of the witnesses who cleaned up the mess i had a really hard there were some things in this movie i had a really hard time with and that was one of them me too (laughs) (laughs) yeah and plus the farmer gets shot while he's there like trying to help protect them and like 
defend his rights of them not being on his property. He's like, you don't have a warrant. Get off my land. And then they shoot him in the arm. Mm -hmm. So his wife has to like mend his wound and then figure out how to like dispose of bodies and exploded cars. If only he hadn't brought them home. I know. Oh, wait, you know what? Actually, that is a good time to bring up my favorite quote, which is Farmer Manthers, after he gets shot, he tells, and the the shop goons are all running away, Mm -hmm. Um, the ones that have survived the fire. um, His wife's like, we can't get involved in this. Like, you know, just you two go away. Like, this is fucking weird. Farmer Manthers says... He was like, those guys came on my property. They didn't have a warrant. Like, he's just, like, going down the list of, like, how this is in violation of, like, everything the United States stands for, right? And mm-hmm. then he says, and you know the guy's been in the World War Two. Yeah. So my favorite quote is when he says, you want me to be a good Nazi? To mm-hmm. his wife. I was like, yes. Yeah, That's that was like, awesome. What he was saying, you know, that we we live in a place where we don't get bossed around and there aren't secret governments and, you know, all that stuff. It's like, it's just refreshing to feel like, you know what, that we need to be proud of, like, doing the thing that helps other people and not just, like, be glorifying selfishness. I feel like his character was like a wholesome representation of those values and like what they really should be and they've been misconstrued like in today's society of like this is my gun get off my land you know what I mean it's like Mm -hmm. today that whole like freedom and your own personal rights has been kind of just taken to the extreme yeah by so many people who are using it for like a negative message And he was using it positively. So the sweet part about the farmers is like while they were driving toward the farm, um, what's his name? Mr. Manthers, the -hmm. farmer who picks them up. And he was saying like, oh, my wife always wanted a little girl of her own, but it just wasn't meant to be. Mm -hmm. So then at the end of the movie, after her dad's been killed, she finds her way back to the farm and she lives with them. So they get their little girl and she gets hopefully to stay there and be away from society where Mm -hmm. she won't be able to set a lot of things on fire. So she can be like living on a peaceful farm and hopefully nothing ticks her off too much. I don't know. Maybe when they want her to like get up and milk the cows though, she's going to set Mrs. Manthers ablaze one morning. (laughs) We don't really know what's going to happen, but it's a sweet ending. Well, it was showing though, like throughout the movie, which I think it was necessary that like she's getting more and more able to control herself. Her being on a farm is an ideal way to help heal because she gets to be outside a lot. And like, there's nothing more healing than being one with earth you know it's true that's why everybody's on fucking anti-anxiety pills because nobody goes outside anymore it's like mm-hmm. go stand outside with, on the grass with bare feet for 10 minutes yeah the next time you start feeling anxious yeah that's like a me. form of therapy yeah i'll definitely recommend that forest bathing it's true there's nothing like it there's no substitute for it Go outside, people. What else in the movie? I don't know. Um, so, like, when she's a teenager, who knows what's going to happen? She might burn down the farm. 
because teens mm-hmm. like the guy said for 20 months her pituitary is going to be like the strongest mm-hmm. organ in the human body or something mm-hmm. and then it could just all blast back out of control mm-hmm. but i mean so it's like how teenagers their brain is just like not fully developed <laughs> And their limbic system and their hormones are just raging and like the frontal lobe and the reasoning <laughs> parts of their brain are not working. So <laughs> Charlie might have another surge of firestorms, but. Oh, mm-hmm. so at the end of the movie, Charlie just totally blows up the whole shop, basically. I mean, it's like, it's like, like what, 10 minutes of like guys walking around waving their mm-hmm. arms on fire mm-hmm. <laughs> after she goes back to the man manthers to stay mr manthers takes her to the new york times building oh yeah and that's the end of the movie and and he and she's like are we going to be safe now and he's like yeah we're going to be safe because everybody's going to know about it so it'll protect you mm-hmm. and i was like this is like in order to have our government in check, we have to have a free press. Like, yes. I thought that message was extremely clear. Mm-hmm. And when I think about the images that were shown by journalists during the Vietnam War and how that has been censored, wars have been severely censored since the Vietnam War. Journalistic coverage of those wars. Like, they don't show the people screaming on the ground anymore, you know, and there's a reason for that because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's weird. Whenever human beings see other human beings suffering horribly and dying, they usually don't want to go to war anymore. <laughs> I just, the ending reinforced for me sort of an anti United States government agenda. I can see that. That makes sense. The free press. Uh, the whole time I was just thinking, like, if only they had the internet, then, like, it could have been over in, like, a day. Mm-hmm. They would have just posted a Facebook Live video. <laughs> <laughs> and it'd be done. <laughs> I mean, I do have logistical problems again, but does she tell everybody that she starts fires with her mind? Because that's going to invite more scrutiny. Mm-hmm. generally or did they leave? i'm I, i'm gonna say that they left the part out about how she starts fires and just you know are like hey this government george c scott's character really like unlocked some stuff today it did <laughs> i think i blocked all of that out mm-hmm. from childhood yeah because he was just too scary and pedophilic mm-hmm yeah in the movie does anything sexual and when he talks about what he wants to do with her he never says anything sexual but it's like it's obvious and one of the first mm -hmm. oh and then like the captain played by martin sheen is just like he's like repulsed by him but he's still going along with it and he's still gonna have access to her he has to because he's gonna be blackmailed into it because yeah. that guy has information on him. So he's willing to just like sacrifice this little girl. Well, he's going to kill her. He's going to kill her anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's already killed 10 people. 
or however many people, eight, no, nine people, because from the experiment, why not yeah. just kill her dad and then kill her? I mean, I mm-hmm. felt like that's what they were going to do. And then the scientist in charge of it was like, look, this girl's like a time bomb. Like, yeah. we, we don't, we, this, the, the scientist that was initially in charge of the experiments, I felt like he had no idea what he was unleashing mm-hmm. and was like, oh, God, now I, ha- I have created, like, dangerous people and they have to be killed for the safety of everyone else. I, that's yeah. how he's looking at it. And I, he was really the one of the... F- like, I didn't see him so much as, like, an evil kind of mastermind or anything, but just more somebody who got a little arrogant in his life's work and mm-hmm. made some really bad decisions that resulted in tragedy. And Martin Sheen, though, his character, uh, Hollister, he really just seemed like I could not figure out what his motivation was at all. Yeah. I had yeah, no did idea. they want to harness her power for... Like to weaponize it. I think that was what the implication was of like, well, we'll just figure out how she's doing it. And then we're going to like. I just felt like some of that stuff wasn't clear. It wasn't because then it was like, well, when you're done with her, then John was like, when you're done with her, give her to me. And it's like, okay, well, when are they going to be done with her? Because what are they going to do to her? Don't they need her to be, you know, yeah, um, using her power continually? But so, yeah, yeah maybe they were going to find a way to harness it and use it without her and then hand her over to the pedophile to be killed. Mm-hmm. He says she's very young. She's very, very beautiful. And she has the power of the gods inside of her. Mm-hmm. That is so creepy. It is so gross. Uh, inside of her. Yeah, I know. <sighs> I know. I like almost threw up whenever. I know. Because I blocked this part of the movie out. <laughs> Me too. And I was just like, I cannot fucking believe. This is like, okay, this is one movie that we've watched thus far where I I am actually pissed off at my parents that they let me watch this movie. I I just don't know how that was okay. Right. Maybe she, she thought it would be like a girl power movie. <laughs> maybe she did think that. Maybe she was like, oh, here's, a, you know, Holly's going to be like kicking ass or whatever. Because like, <laughs> yeah. You know, I was like, I, I guess I just feel like whenever the guy claws his eyeballs out at the beginning yeah. of the movie that that's when you say okay you know what maybe let's watch something else I'm like what's on nickelodeon yeah <laughs> yeah it's not too late to turn back like just because we've started this doesn't mean we have to finish it yeah <laughs> i don't know i feel like i watched it at your house i think i watched all of these movies at your house yeah I think you did watch this movie at my house because I liked this movie when I was a kid too. Um, Cause I was like, she can light stuff on fire with her mind. And 
Yeah, I don't know. It's funny because like a lot of the movies, whenever we've gone in before we saw it, just based on our memory, we've been like, oh, this could go horribly wrong. Women could be portrayed really terribly or there's lots of opportunity for the plot to go in a really gross direction. And then it doesn't. And it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, we've been pleasantly surprised generally on this journey most of the time. Mm -hmm. This movie is the exact opposite of that. (laughs) I agree. I thought I was going in for a little lighthearted, little cute girl setting shit on fire. And that it was just going to be like kind of a fun, like adventure thriller kind of a thing. And instead it's like, no, you're just going to have to look at how you were groomed to be sexually abused. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. It definitely raised some issues that I wasn't expecting to be raised in a Stephen King movie. What should be the question for today? Have you ever been in a drug trial? (laughs) I had one, um, but that's a good one. My question was, um, have you ever felt like you were shrinking? (laughs) Oh, like, because he's feeling that in the beginning when he's on drugs. (laughs) I don't think I have, but I know a kid who said garage is on fire when I was little. I said a few things. No, I didn't say anything on fire. And Holly maybe set some things on fire have you ever set anything on fire when you were a little kid if you did let us know at cover your eyes podcast at gmail.com or on instagram or twitter also if you have ideas for other movies we should cover in the future we'd love to hear those too thank you for listening to cover your eyes podcast if you like our show please feel free to count the ways find us on patreon.com backslash cover your eyes you can also visit our store on redbubble at cover your eyes podcast and don't forget we love it when you subscribe rate and review are you gonna say see you next tuesday still (laughs) okay we could say bye y'all see you next tuesday yeah (laughs) okay or we're just gonna destroy lives today